Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Wonderful what is happening locally around the United States and around the world. It's great to celebrate that, and it's great to celebrate Christmas with you. My name is Dave. If we don't know each other yet, I'm one of the pastors here. This is the very last Sunday before Christmas. If you didn't realize that yet, get shopping. It is the very last Sunday before Christmas. Christmas. Now, if you're one of those bah humbug people, we love you. We love you, first of all. Just here, first of all, we love you. And when after Thanksgiving, the first day after Thanksgiving, you start hearing the Christmas music, you say, oh, no, I'm going to have to hear it forever. Why is it happening so soon? You know, we understand you, but it's time. It's actually now time to let that go. You got to let that go. This is the last Sunday before Christmas. Let them play their music. Let them enjoy the songs. Let the radio go. When the, Chris, when the dishes are being done, let the carols be rung. Come on. Let's enjoy. I love Christmas. I mean, my family will tell you it's hard to find somebody who loves Christmas more than me. When, we first, when I first visited the Philippines the first time, I think it was August or September, and they were already playing Christmas music, I thought, I found my home. Those of you who are Filipino, you know, as soon as the Burr months hit, September, October, November, December, it's already Christmas. And it stays Christmas all that time. So if you think it's bad here, it's worse other places and better for me. Merry Christmas to you. What's your favorite Christmas song is the first thing I want to ask you today. What's your favorite Christmas song? You can shout it out. That's fine. Joy to the world, all the night, jingle bells. It's the most wonderful time of the year. All this kind of, right? So some of those are just playful and fun. Some of them are sentimental. Some of them are kind of, I didn't hear this one. I don't know anybody who this is their favorite, their favorite Christmas song. It's in a minor key, but maybe it's you because Christmas has a sad overtone to you. You know, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Can you hear that in your mind? O come, O come, Emmanuel. It's minor key, and he's just like, oh, Merry Christmas, I think. <laughs> right? My favorite Christmas carol, and I think it's the best Christmas carol ever penned. You don't have to agree with me, but you should. And my favorite Christmas carol is Oh Holy Night. Can you call that to mind? Do you remember how it goes, Oh Holy Night? The stars are brightly shining. You can go with me. This... This is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error, pining. Now, wait a minute, because, right, you don't even know what that means. Like, what, is it, what are you talking about? Sin and error. We might know what that means, but pining who uses yeah, that word. I had to look it up this week. I'm just going to be honest. That's the one part of the song I didn't know. The word pining means to have a mental and physical decline because of a broken heart. That's the Oxford dictionary definition, to have a mental and physical decline because of a broken heart. So the world, long lay the world in sin and error pining, in other words, declining mentally and physically because of a broken heart. Because of our sin, we've broken the world. Because the world is broken, our heart is broken. Because we have a broken heart, we sin more. When we sin more, we break the world more. When the world is more broken, it breaks our heart more, and so we sin more. That's the human condition. If you don't think that's true, watch the news. 
Just go to news.google.com and scroll. <laughs> it's there. It's there. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. And that, to me, is what Christmas is all about. Till he appeared, Jesus, and the soul felt its worth. I love Christmas, but there can be some awkward moments, and sometimes you don't always feel your worth. Can we just admit that for a moment? <laughs> Those of you who are single, you might be experiencing this right now. This may have happened this week if this touches home. Sorry. Remember, those of you who aren't single now, you once were and maybe will one day be. We all go through loss and sorrow. But when you're dating, have you, you ever had the present mismatch in your dating experience? The, the awkward present mismatch? You know, you, you text your special someone, you say, hey, I got something really nice for you. Can we get together? And then you see those little blinking dots for a long time. You know they're sitting there thinking about what to tell you or typing, and you think you're going to get this wonderful, long, magnificent message because it takes so long. And then it goes bloop, and it's, yeah, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Me too. So you finally schedule the coffee, you show up for the coffee, and you have your very carefully wrapped, beautiful present with their name on it. You hand it to them, so excited for them to open it. They open it, and there's that engraved, personalized gift that's supposed to show them how much you really have come to just care about this person. And their face looks like something's wrong, even though everything's right. And they hand you your card. And you open your Starbucks gift card <laughs> at Starbucks. <laughs> With the receipt inside. <laughs> and you notice that time stamp. That's the awkward present mismatch moment. We don't always feel our worth, do we? Part of what I love about this Christmas season series that we've had unto us is we're looking kind of Old Testament to New Testament, what the gift of Christmas really is. Starting with the lens of that great promise in Isaiah, Isaiah 9, 6, we've been walking through that verse slowly if you haven't been here. Isaiah 9, verse, uh, verse 6, it says, for unto us, that's where the series gets its name, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, for hundreds of years, that present lie wrapped and unopened under the menorah. While Israel tried to figure out what that present was, now you can see it from the outside. You know how a present is. You can kind of see a shape and maybe the size. I mean, you could, you're trying to figure out and test, is it a puzzle? Did I just break it? Right? As you try to figure out what's in there, but you can't fully discern until it is opened. So it's not until the New Testament that the gift that is promised in Isaiah is fully understood. Nobody could fully understand all of these pieces, even in just that one verse. And so what we've been doing is unpacking it. 
unpacking present after present. We talked about the wonder of God, and really only he is wonderful. And last week, Pastor James had that wonderful message about God as goat. God is, Jesus is the greatest of all time. He's not just a mighty God, he is the mighty God. He is the mightiest, the greatest of all time. If you didn't get to hear that, go back online. You should. It's wonderful. He is the greatest of all time. At this time, this week, we get to open the presence of everlasting Father. Now, if you're listening along in that verse and you're thinking about it, and you're trying to think about what this gift is, and you realize it's unto us a child is given, and his name shall be called Everlasting Father, something's confusing, isn't it? Wait, we're given a child and he's called Father. I don't hold a little baby in my arms usually and think, oh, what a cute little papa. What a cute little grumpy old man. Well, actually, babies kind of do kind of look like a grumpy old man sometimes. Everybody goes like, you know, through that old man phase when they're a baby. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I think all three of my kids look like Winston Churchill at one point in time or another. (laughs) Sorry, buddy. But it's confusing to say child, everlasting father, right? What are you talking about? Child, father. Open your Bibles if you have them or turn them on to John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, two-thirds of the way through your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Look in chapter 14. Chapter 14, the book of John, starts to help us unwrap this gift and explain why those two are coming together. The disciples are confused too. Just before uh, verse six, which we're gonna read in just a moment, uh, the disciples are questioning Jesus. You keep talking about the Father, Jesus. Father, Father, Father. You keep telling us about this present of the Father, the everlasting Father. I I went through and counted it actually this week. 119 times the book of John mentions the Father. It's as if Jesus from the manger stuck his crooked finger up to the sky to point to the Father. And then from then on was constantly saying, the Father, the Father, the Father. I and the Father are one. I only do what the Father is doing. I only say what the Father is saying. By fa- to, my, to my Father's glory that you produce much fruit. Father, 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 119 times. 22 times in chapter 14 alone. Father must be pretty important. So they say, show us the Father. He says, I'm going to the Father. Well, show us the way to the Father. And then Jesus says this in verse six. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. It was hard for them to understand then. It might be hard for you to understand now. We're promised a child. He's named a father because wrapped up in the gift of the son is the kind of father every one of us truly needs. The son and the father are like no other being. They are so unified so connected, love interpenetrates and brings them together to such a degree that they actually are one. It's the mystery of the Trinity. It breaks every rule of language. No metaphor matches up to it. No other thing in all of creation or things that are not yet created will ever match that mystery. So when we're given this child, we're given the Father. 
Jesus says, when you see me, you see him. We often see that verse negatively. We reject Jesus, you reject the Father, but it's also positive, except me. You accept the Father. Wrapped up in the gift of the Son is the kind of Father you truly need, even if you don't realize it. The kind of father you truly need, but don't have, even if you thought you did, no matter how loving or good your father was, he fell short of the glory of God, I promise you. And I'm not diminishing him or dishonoring him. No matter how good he was, he fell short of the glory of God. No matter how good I am, I will always fall short of the title of father. Not that I have to live that in shame. I'm aspiring to be like him for my kids. I don't learn about him by looking at me. No, I learn about me by looking at him. Wrapped up in the gift of the son is the kind of father we need. He shows us who he is. So I went back this week to the book of John and did what I think this verse is inviting us to do. Look at Jesus so I can know the father. Turn back to John chapter 1. The first present that I I think the book of John uh, unwraps for us is in John chapter 1, verse 14. If you don't mind, I'm going to open these things for us. John chapter 1, verse 14 says this, the word became flesh, that's Jesus, and dwelled among us. God come in the flesh. We have seen his glory, the glory he has as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. The first present Jesus shows us about the Father, because Jesus is one with the Father, is that he is full of grace and truth. Not just that he's so full of grace and truth, he's so full of grace and truth that he actually is that. This everlasting Father never runs out of that. If we're honest, if we think about it for a moment, don't let this seem simple. Don't let this seem basic. Hold on. Some of us had parents who brought truth all the time. Just didn't know how to bring grace. And the truth came so sharp and so blunt and so direct and so cutting uh, that it wounded. Uh, We have father and mother wounds. We have parent wounds because of that. And they may have not been intending to harm us at all. Just trying to tell you like it is, son. Just trying to show you how the world is, honey. No, you, you need to see what just happened there, babe. And that directness without the grace wrapping it up damaged us. And so we can't sometimes get to the everlasting father because it's blocked by that memory of our earthly parent. Some of us have had parents who gave all grace. They went the other way. They gave all grace, but no truth. They parented by the one word, whatever. Well, whatever you want. Well, eat whatever you want. Go wherever you want, do whatever you want, hang with whoever you want, whatever you need, I'll get it. But when grace comes and there's no truth, that's not love. It's a form of emotional abandonment. Okay, hold on now a second, just pause. Uh, Sorry to everybody who's young in the audience. Love you, see you, this won't feel pleasant. Do you know that your prefrontal lobe is not fully developed until you're 25? There's part of your brain that isn't there yet. There's just gonna be more there. I'm sorry, but this is the truth. This is just a scientifically proven fact. Your prefrontal lobe where you make your decisions is not yet fully developed. 
There's a reason you need a guardian. There's a reason you need boundaries. There's a a reason you need truth-telling. There's a reason that you need correction. There's a reason that you need redirection, right? If you got grace all the time and no direction, no guidance, no boundary, no, no. I'm sorry, honey, but no, that wasn't love. Not true love, that wasn't grace, not true grace. Grace and truth always comes together and God's grace governs his truth. Unlike that one Christmas carol where truth comes first, in the Greek, grace comes first. Grace governs truth. Mercy triumphs over justice, but they always come together. Wrapped up in the gift of the son is the kind of father we all need, even if we don't know it or don't yet want it. The second gift comes a little farther in that chapter in verse 42. The disciples start to come up to meet Jesus. And from a way off, Jesus sees Simon and says, Simon, son of John, knows his name before he even shows up. But he doesn't just see his present and his past, he sees his future. He says, you're not going to keep being called Simon. You're going to be called Cephas or Peter, Petros, whichever language you choose. Those are two different languages, same meaning rock. You think of yourself as something less than what you are. I'm naming what you're going to be. You're going to be a rock. And later on says, upon that rock of faith, I will build my church. Then he looks at Nathaniel, Nathaniel from a long way off, and says, Nathaniel, now here is an Israelite who is without deceit. Nathaniel says, How do you know me? We never met. He named the truest thing about Nathaniel, the number one thing Nathaniel thought identified him. Nathaniel would never lie, Nathaniel would never deceive. Now, he may offend you with his truth, but he wouldn't lie to you. And Jesus says, Before you even were found by Philip, I saw you under that fig tree. What's going on? That place where Nathaniel went to hide, where nobody could find him, the fig tree nobody knew about. Philip didn't find him at the fig tree. Philip found him on the way back from the fig tree. Nobody else knew about the place where Nathaniel could hide. Jesus said, I saw you there. I know your public character, and I know your private character. You'll never hide from me. In other words, he knows us fully. He knows us all the way down. He knows what we are in public. He knows what we are in private. He knows what we are with friends. He knows what we are with family. He knows when those two don't match. He knows what we are on Friday night. He knows what we are on Sunday morning. He knows when those two don't match. He knows when we're putting on a mask and faking it for others so they won't know the pain that's living on underside like a boiling pot with a lid on top. He knows when that pain is down there, even when we're trying so hard to shove it closed. He knows us fully all the way down. You have been misunderstood by people. I'm not talking to some of you. I'm talking to all of you. You have been misunderstood, but you've never been misunderstood. by him. Your words have been twisted and used against you, uh, put in a frame that you never put them to harm you and damage your character. He will never take your words and twist them against you. Your actions have been misread. Your intentions painted with the wrong color. He never does that with you. 
To be fully known and fully understood is one of the deepest longings of the human heart. If you don't know you want it, right now I bet he's showing you you want it. He knows your public character and your private character. And right now in your mind, I can't do it. He's doing it. He's bringing to mind those things. He's showing you who you are, Nathaniel. He's renaming you, Peter. Only he can do that. Only a parent gets to rename a child and Jesus says, you're no longer Simon. I'm one with the everlasting father. You have a new name. Wrapped up in the gift of the son is the kind of father we all truly need, even if we don't know it. You know, in that production we just heard, it's very powerful. I asked permission if I could share this. That story from Charity is her story. You might have been watching that and thinking, oh, that was a great little piece of artistic writing and great acting. No, I mean, she was, she's a great actress. But she was presenting her story of her father, her weeping on Christmas Day, her dad holding her in his arms. But did you hear how she talked about it? Did you hear the beautiful nature of that fallen human being, her dad, who didn't always know how to express the love but knew how to show it, and yet even through that broken vessel, God was able to pour his love into her. Did you hear that? That's the father you need this Christmas. It's a better Christmas gift than anything under my tree. The third gift comes from John 3.16. I mean, really, really fast today. You're going to go to John 3.16. You know, of all the verses that we're doing today, this is the one that hit me the most. It's the most famous. It's the most used. I haven't seen it in the football game in a while, but it used to be always. You see right behind the goalposts, John 3.16. Some crazy dude up there, some Jesus freak waving a sign. God bless him, right? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Who gave his only son? What does a son have? A father. Do you see how it's embedded? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Put verse 17 up there for me if you don't mind. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Who's he talking about? The son or the father? Both. He did not send his son in the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him, right? In other words, what I've always read this verse says is it's always talking about Jesus. It was always about the Son. It was always about the Son and me, and I need Jesus. And that is true because Jesus is the way to the Father. There is no other way. I don't care what somebody told you. He's the only way there. And if you don't go through that gate, you're not getting in. It's just that's where it is. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the only way. But the beauty of that is it shows the heart of the Father. He is grace and truth. The truth is there, but grace is there. Grace governing is truth, and he knows us fully, knows me privately, knows me publicly, knows me in my best moments, knows me in my worst moments. He understands me fully and still somehow loves me completely. To me, I know that this isn't theologically correct, but it's emotionally correct. (laughs) The Trinity is the greatest mystery. Theologically, there's no greater mystery. But emotionally, to me, this is the greatest mystery. 
How do those two go together? You love me even though you know me? Yeah, don't let the pastor be the only one being honest. You know you thought, yeah, you love me, but if you really knew me. Haven't you? That's the greatest emotional mystery of all time. That the Holy One of the universe, the great creator of the cosmos, the one in whom there is not even a flicker of a shadow of evil, the one who cannot dwell with evil, loves me. But he knows me publicly and he knows me privately. He knows the places that I put out in the open. He knows the places that are kept private. He knows what I've done. He knows what I haven't done. And yet, this is still true. Wrapped up in the gift of the Son is the kind of Father all of us truly need, even if we don't know it. Now, I love Christmas, and in our Christmas, in our family, there's lots of presents. There were presents all over the bed last night. When we wanted to go to bed at 11.30, we had to clean off the bed from all the presents so that we could go to bed. Anybody else have that? We were wrapping the paper everywhere. And some of them are just little cheapy things. You know, you get a little dollar gift or whatever. There's that song we sang. Um, I'll be home for Christmas where it says there'll be presents on the tree. So I feel like, you know, sometimes Christmas songs turn into something like the Bible for Christmas for me. I'm obligated. So I'm always sticking presents on the tree. And in the Christmas story, the father hides something behind the couch. So sometimes I'm hiding something behind the couch. So, you know, it's one thing to give a gift to, to a person. It's another thing for them to even recognize it's there. Sometimes those gifts get forgotten inside the tree or they get forgotten behind the couch and say, oops, here's another one. Look at that. Merry Christmas. Sometimes you recognize the gift is yours, but you never quite get it in your hands. It's one thing to recognize it. It's another thing to receive it. Sometimes it's sitting beside you. You haven't yet opened it. It's one thing to receive a gift. It's another thing to open it and know what's inside. Once you've opened that present, you, you can have it in your hand and then never use it. I'm baffled sometimes when I give a really nice gift to somebody and six months later, they've never used the thing. I'm like, come on, you're going to love it. Would you get the plastic off of it? Would you open it up? Would you, you're gonna, come on, you're going to love it if you try it. What's wrong with you? I'm using the present before it's opened. Just kidding, it's impossible. It's one thing to recognize it, one thing to receive it, one thing to open it, one thing to use it. It's another thing to enjoy it. Don't you want to have somebody enjoy the gift you give them? Till he appeared and the soul felt its... I'm asking you to enjoy that. First of all, recognize that that gift isn't just for somebody else. It has your name on it. Don't think that's just for somebody else to think about this Christmas. It has your name on it. Don't just let it sit there on a shelf, open it up. Some people go to church every now and then because they just want to look at the present that's out there, but they never really fully receive it. There's nothing inside of them. There's no rivers of living water flowing in them. There's no sense of, of the abiding presence of God. They couldn't say, yeah, the, the father is like, he really is actually 
my best friend. I know he's huge and cosmic and could destroy me if he batted an eyelash. I'd just be destroyed in an instant. But he's, he's the closest companion. If you haven't opened that up, it's there for you. Your name's on it. Open it. Some of you need to use it. There's going to be a moment in this Christmas season where you don't feel like you're worth much. Open the present and use it. God emptied his bank account for you to give you that present. I still remember my first Merry Christmas when Holly, all the gifts were done, and I opened a present. I didn't even know she had a bank account of her little savings account as a college student. She wiped it out to give me a present I didn't think we could afford. And I knew that moment I was worth everything to her. If there was a present mismatch, it was on my side. And it's always that way with God. He wants you to enjoy him. You know the best way to enjoy the Father's love? It's the same as the best way to enjoy any present. I love presents. I love Christmas. I love everything about it. If that's not you, forgive me, but I do. When I get a present, I like to enjoy it with someone. You know, even just clothes that you're given, you know how you are. You go wear that new outfit, you start walking out, you know exactly what you're hoping somebody's going to do. Hey, that was nice. Where'd you get those kicks? You want somebody to celebrate that, right? Something about that helps you. Now, I love fruitcakes. Anybody in here love fruitcake? That's three of you. All three of you. I love you. You're welcome at my house just about any time. I love fruitcake. You didn't think I really love Christmas. I love Christmas. I'm telling you all the way down. If you love fruitcake, you're a true Christmaholic. So I love fruitcake. But if I can find somebody who actually enjoys it with me, I love it all the more. I don't want to give up a slice of my fruitcake if somebody doesn't even like it. But if somebody will enjoy it. The best way to enjoy the Father's love is to let your soul feel its worth. And out of that deep well and deep confidence of knowing what you're worth, extend that to another. Feel his grace and truth, give it to another. Feel him understanding you, give understanding to another. Stay with them long enough to understand them. Love them completely. Love them in the way they need to be loved. Learn their love language and love them in their love language, not yours. I mean, Pastor Gerald and I have a joke. Our love language isn't touch. So we every, every time we see each other, like, just stop touching me. We just joke, stop touching me. That's not my love language. I'll give hugs. I, I don't mind hugs. But like somebody starts rubbing my back. Like, why are you so tense? Because you're touching me. Stop touching me. <laughs> give them their love language. Be a sign of the Father's love for them. If every single member of your family this Christmas spent time soaking in the love of the Father through scripture, through prayer, through journaling, through memorizing the verses that speak about his mercy and love, and then receiving from him directly his words in moments, and then from that deep well, sought away any way they could, as creatively as possible, to express that worth and love to every other person in your family. If the rest of the Christmas season was about receiving that worth and giving it to others, it would be a better Christmas than you've ever had. I promise you, it will change. It'll change the gifts you give. It'll change how you receive them. It'll, give, it'll change the words you offer. It'll change how you receive words. It will change your home. Would you stand with me? Wrapped up in the gift of the Son is the kind of Father we all need, even if we don't realize it yet.
the everlasting Father. Would you bow your heads with me? If as I've been speaking this morning, you realize somewhere along the way God put his finger right on your heart and pressed, and you know that you need to receive the love of the Father in a new way this Christmas. Just every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody looking around, please. I just want you to lift your hand up to your heavenly Father and say, Father, I just hope you can see this hand. (laughs) I need your love. And maybe you've received it many times, but it's grown dim or grown cold. Or there's a wound from a father or a mother or a friend in your heart that you need him to heal. Maybe you've been keeping him at arm's length for reasons only you know. Maybe there's a sin you need him to forgive. Maybe you've never known him and you say, it's time I got to know you. It's time. I'm, I'm tired of visiting your house. I want to be your family. Just slip your hand up to him. It's all over. I see people everywhere, all the way up to the back, all the way down to the front, young and old. ministry team, you can come forward. You can put your hands down. I want to pray for you. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you if you need someone to pray with you for that. I'm going to ask you to come. You can even come right now as I begin to pray. You can slip out while I'm praying and everybody's eyes are closed. There are people down here trained to pray with you. Whether you've been a Christian for 20 years or you've not even been a Christian for two minutes, I invite you to come. Lord, thank you for the gift of Christmas, which is yourself. You gave yourself You came and lived and suffered, lived perfectly, suffered perfectly, died so that we could live. You paid the price for our sins so that we didn't have to live in that shame and condemnation. You were resurrected so that we might be resurrected with you and live forever. But you want us this Christmas season to actually open that gift and enjoy it. Would you help us, Lord? In our mind's eye right now, show us what we need to do this Christmas. Give us an image of a place. Give us a vision of what we might do. Give us a transformed relationship. Show us an activity, a a way of doing devotions, a, a moment that we need to set aside for you. Begin to speak right now and put it right in our minds. For any heart that's broken and wounded, I pray that they would not leave here today alone, not talking to someone about it. Why would we come to church and then not open the gift, receive the gift, enjoy the gift with one another. And so often we can't really fully enjoy the gift you give unless someone helps us. Holy Spirit, come. We pray that you would come and work in us. In Jesus' name, amen.